Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn the Jets Live. It's been a while. I'm your host, Steven Zantz, joined by my co host, Steven Russo. No guests this week. You know, we're just going to do a little preview of Jets free agency since it's right around the corner as, you know, the new league gear starts next week. Steven, it's been forever. How you doing? I'm good, man. It's good to see you. Good to get back in action. You know, we were talking before the show. It's uh, it was nice to get the break, but a couple weeks into the break, and you're kind of jonesing to get back. You got all the uh, the stuff swirling around around the Jets, and never a dull moment. But this is our time now, man. Free agency is a week away. Draft about what six weeks away now, so uh, six or seven weeks away. So it's it's exciting times here. So I'm back to uh, I'm I'm ready to get back into it. Ready to talk some free agency preview, a little bit of draft with you. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, for the, the viewers, if you can see, I have a fake background going on. I'm in a transition of moving, and I didn't want to show you guys blind, so I figured, you know, let's get in the spirit of the team and have some Jet stuff going. Um, so we're going to move into our first topic, and I think a big point of emphasis that we're looking for from this team in the offseason is we need some playmakers on this team. I know a lot of Jet fans had their sights set on Dalton Schultz, maybe potentially David Njoku. Um, and then even Gasecki, who I also thought was probably a slim chance because it always seemed like he was never leaving Miami. But that market's dried up a lot. Receiver market between Devontae Adams, who I thought we never had a chance of getting, and obviously Godwin getting tagged, who I thought could get slipped loose because Tom Brady retired. But unfortunately, you know, some of the guys that were more on the premier side of both those positions have, have left. So, like, what are your thoughts on this? Like, I know tight end seems like, you know, it's really like bottom barrel at this point. You got like the Evan Ingrams of the world, you have. Um, I guess potentially Austin Hooper because they did, you know, give Unjoke all that money, but it's just not a very inspiring class right now. Maybe a guy like Max Williams. Um, what do you think so far? Yeah, I mean, it's it's this whole offseason is fascinating because the Jets they have so many needs, and you know, as as Will Parkinson has said too, like they're really in the best position of any team, both from a capital standpoint, both from a money standpoint and from draft capital. So, you know, it's natural of Jets fans to want to be in on like every top tier free agent. But I guess that's the beauty of it is they have so many needs and so many holes to fill that they really can be. It's not likely that they're going to sign all of them, but you know, from a top level, they really should be in on a lot of these guys, but from a tight end wide receiver perspective, I mean, I think, you know, specifically the tight end, right. There's the good news is that there's nowhere to go, but up because the tight end group they put together for 2021 was uh, bad to say the least. So if, you know, they keep a guy like Croft as a third tight end and they sign maybe a tier two veteran pass catcher, maybe a guy like a Jared Cook, who I'm a fan of on the, you know, the wrong side of 30, but continues to produce and relative, you know, stays relatively healthy or a guy like Gerald Everett. And you pair him with, you know, a guy that you get in the second round, maybe a Trey McBride or a Jeremy Ruckert. I think you go into the year feeling a lot better about your tight end room 
room, uh, knowing that you have a, a pass catching veteran paired with a rookie that's going to grow into the role and grow into the offense. From a receiver standpoint, you know, th this whole offseason, what they do in free agency is really going to define their path for the draft. If they go out and get an Amari Cooper or trade for a DK Metcalf, which I know all Jets fans are hot on right now, or even sign an Allen Robinson, which would be, you know, a, a dream come true for the last, what, four or five years for us, you know, then that's pretty telling. And I, I'd, I'd say it's probably a safe bet. They're not going to go like a Garrett Wilson or a Traylon Burks or a Drake London at 10. But if they sign one of the, you know, tier two guys uh, at wide receiver and free agency, then I think that's pretty telling. And I think you could look for them to, almost guaranteed take one of those top three guys at, uh, at number 10. So the whole off season is really fascinating. And we're so, you know, once January hits, we're all kind of clamoring for stuff and there's really not much to talk about with free agency. Cause there's so much uncertainty until like this time frame right now that all we talk about is draft. But in reality, like you're not going to know what Joe Douglas and the jets are thinking about uh, the draft in April until this kind of whole thing plays out. So the whole thing is really just, I'm excited to get it kicked off, man. We're one week away, but overall, you know, what are your thoughts, tight ends, wide receivers in the free agent market? What do you think they can do? What do you think they will do? How do you think it shakes out? Yeah. I mean, I, I hope I was hoping a guy like Schultz or maybe Njoku would come here, but obviously there was always the possibility they would both get tagged. Obviously I was disappointed to see Schultz is really the guy that I wanted because I felt like he was a very solid receiver, an adequate, adequate blocker, still pretty young. You know, you're not overpaying someone who's probably past his prime or like maybe has one or two good years left. Um, I mean, I actually believe it or not, I know a lot of Jive fans who hate Evan Ingram. I would be okay with him. I think I was reading today that actually teams are considering for a slot receiver position rather than actually playing tight end because he really doesn't have any blocking ability. So you would hope if they did sign someone like him, be more in a receiver role. And then you get a guy like Rucker, or you get a guy like McBride who can block. Um, from a receiver standpoint, you name the top three guys that I'm interested in. A-Rob, obviously we've had that dream forever. Amari, assuming he gets cut, because I don't think any team is actually going to take on his salary and trade any capital for him. But those are the two guys I think that are most interesting. I mean, Metcalf is kind of a pipe dream. I mean, you would think that Seattle's probably interested in maybe offloading some players because they're headed towards a full stage rebuild, which is crazy. You know, Jamal, I hope you're enjoying yourself over there. You know, you didn't want to be part of a losing team. Well, you're going to lose a lot right now. So, But um, I don't think he's super realistic. I think that if they're going to make a trade for a receiver, it'll probably be someone who's probably on a bigger contract. And he's still on his rookie contract. He's probably eligible for an extension this offseason, I think, because he was drafted in 2019. I mean, listen, sign me up. I'd give them the I'd give them the 10th pick tomorrow and, and not even think twice about it. Like he's that talented. He fills the need that they need at, uh, in at receiver. He's a big body, he's fast, and he's just a guy you could use in the red zone because Corey Davis is supposed to be that guy, but he seems more like a um, a Batman. I mean a Robin to a Batman. But overall, I'm not like, you know worried yet because I do think they're going to address skill position in the draft depending on how the board falls but I really would like to see them get one of these top receivers I know they've been hesitant to spend a lot of money since Joe Douglas got here but he knows that if this team is you know not winning game, playing meaningful games in November his job could be you know he could be fired I mean I'm not calling for him to get fired but I need to see this team contending and being in the hunt as we were talking about all last season we're like next year let's be in the hunt like this is next year now we need to be in the hunt <laughs> yeah, I think what's so interesting about the, the tight end and wide receiver specifically, obviously, they're fun positions, right? Especially when you have a young quarterback, like you want to see playmakers. So um, it's always going to be where fans attention goes to. But when you really think about it, 
what Joe Douglas did with the wide receiver room in 2020 and then what he did with the tight end room in 2021. Those were two of his probably biggest swings and misses in his tenure as a Jets uh, GM. So to fix those two positions right now is what we're clamoring for and really what needs to happen. And everything that you're hearing is that the Jets recognize this because if Zach Wilson fails, then this regime fails and they're probably out of a job or at least at least Joe Douglas is. So they can't make the same mistake they did with Sam Darnold. They have to surround this kid with talent and the talent is there to be had. So whether they address it in free agency and go all in on a top tier receiver or go all in on one of these you know second tier tight ends and pair them, with a second round tight end or whatever that looks like, um, at least you're going to have that answer on Zach Wilson. And that's absolutely something that they need to know after 2022, because if, if there's still so many question marks and, and they're back in the same boat, they were in with Sam Darnold because they didn't surround this kid with talent, then that's going to be on Joe Douglas and nobody else. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this kind of shakes out. And I am just, I, I really can't wait to, for, for day one of free agency to see it, it, again, you know, the Corey Davis thing last year, that was a, that was a big signing. And I still, I'm not faulting Joe Douglas. No one can predict that, you know, his down year in the injury history. Um, Carl Lawson was a big signing on day one. That was great. But if they come out of the gates again with a Gerard Davis and a Justin Hardy, I think we're all going to have like uh, we're all going to be in full on panic mode. So I think day one that they, you know, we'll get a clear picture as to what his draft strategy is going to be like. But day one, let's see. Uh, let, let's see a big hit, at least or a, a yeah. sizable hit, a nice double, we'll say. <laughs> I think this is a good transition to who would you be livid if they signed? So like, let's just say like this is like the Jared Davis of 2022. If they signed Eli Apple in the first hour free agency or like the first few hours, I I think we need to actually protest outside the building. There, I know cornerback is a position need, and they were had a lot of youth this year, but that is not what I'm looking for. What I'm looking for a veteran corner who can actually play. Like, not only is he not good, as you know, he made some plenty of mistakes for the Bengals, and you know, he was just talking all the smack, all all like on Twitter. I he just pisses me off. I saw him play for the Giants. He's on his like third team already. They cannot say that like, you know, this is our veteran corner that we're signing. No, it has to be someone like a Carlton Davis who would be a perfect signing for this team. He's going to command a lot of money. I know Will said on his podcast and also on uh, Badlands that JC Jackson is probably not going to be a target of the Jets, mainly because he's asking for too much and they don't want to give him, you know, upwards of $18 million, which I don't blame him because Let's see how this guy performs outside that New England scheme because I feel like it's very friendly to secondary players as you as you've seen a guy like Malcolm Butler who left and was not nearly the same player. But yeah, Carlton Davis would be the guy you know you gotta like go for it and not a guy like Eli Apple. I would be livid. I don't think it's gonna happen, but God, if it does, I am going to be screaming and punching air. Who would be the guy that would really make you annoyed if they signed him on first day of free agency or just in general? Yeah. You know, this is kind of a, a tough question because I don't know if I'd be like livid if they signed anybody, you know, before the show, you and I were talking and I brought up Anthony Barr. And I think that the saltiness in me says uh, that would be my answer. But honestly, I think mine would come with like a like a caveat or, or an asterisk. And I would say that if they sign Dante Fowler, a guy like that, and then they're done at edge and don't address it in the draft as well. 
um, I'd be pretty pissed about that. Like, I, I just think that would be a gross underestimation of your uh, D line and edge group by Joe Douglas. So I wouldn't want them to say, listen, we got, we went out, we got Dante Fowler and we're going to wipe our hands clean and, and, and run, you know, run into 2022 with that. Um, but again, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if they were still going to address it in the draft. So I guess my, uh, my livid free agent signing would be if it's only Dante Fowler, then I would be, uh, I'd be pretty upset about that. Cause I think um, last year shows uh, from this a defensive perspective, just what they need and an injury perspective as well. And just as a depth piece, they need more at edge than what they than what they have right now. So uh, calling, you know, saying Dante Fowler is the end all be all that would upset me pretty, uh, pretty good. Yeah, they need to add two meaningful pieces for edge. You're like, obviously, you're getting Carl Lawson back. You need someone to compliment on the other side. And then you need someone for depth. So you need two yeah. pieces, whether it's in free agency and the draft, I don't, free agency only, depending on like what they're hearing of. You know, could KT and, and Hutch obviously be off the board by the time that they pick and then they have to pivot to something else, but they need to add two meaningful pieces. This pass rush has been a joke. And like, I know we've had a couple of flashes in the pan. We had Mo Wilk had a good season once, but we need a consistent guy who's flirting with 10 plus sacks every single year. I know people are holding out hope that could be Quinn Williams. I don't think that's ever going to happen. I mean, if he does like, great. I like him. He's a nice player, but like, He's not this guy that should be breaking the bank for us because he's not getting 10 plus sacks every year, but it's just, it's such a huge need for this team and has been really since John, John Abraham left, who was yeah. talking about Zach Wilson in a negative light recently. So I don't know if he should be on our good side anymore. <laughs> and, um, you know, speaking of Quinn and Williams, for someone that's the third overall pick in the draft, that was quote unquote, the best player available by a lot of people. I mean, a 10 plus sack season consistently is something that you should expect out of that guy. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't think that the criticism or wanting more uh, from a lot of Jets fans out there is unfair. Um, I think it's really something that should be expected from a guy that was number three overall. Yeah. I mean, think about who the guy, if the Jets had not won that stupid game against Buffalo, you know, that we were all excited about because Sam looked good in it. They would have had Nick Bosa. And imagine having Nick Bosa. I know he got our, he has had an injury history, but his rookie year and then this past year, he's, yeah. one of, he's arguably the best pass rusher in the league. I mean, I don't think he is. TJ Watt probably has that title, but he's top five. I mean, he's Absolutely. that good. And that would have been a game-changing player for this defense, especially mm -hmm. for Salah. Um, so we're going to move to the more positive side. So who's someone that you really want the Jets to target in free agency? It could be someone who's a big name. It could be someone who's more, you know, behind, who maybe is like a second tier or even maybe a third tier because there are there is value sometimes and there's guys who just need more opportunity and end up being good players on different teams. Who do you yeah. like? Um, honestly, I – thought a lot about this. I'm always going to gear towards the offensive side of the ball. Cause I still think that they, they need the most help. And this is all about Zach Wilson, but mine is Ryan Jensen. Um, and the fact that the jets are linked uh, to him and going, you know, I think they went after him uh, pretty aggressively when he became a free agent before he came uh, before he signed with the bucks. But the fact that they're linked to him, the fact that they uh, are making it known that they want to address interior O line in the off season and, and free agency, I think is obviously a good sign. Um, you know, our last show that we did prior to our break, uh, Dalbin was pretty adamantly against uh, Connor McGovern. I'm not so far, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not super against Connor McGovern. I don't think he's a terrible player, but I don't think he's the greatest center in the world. And I think getting a guy like Ryan Jensen 
will solidify uh, that center position, something that they haven't had since Kevin Mawai and Nick Mangold. And I think, and, and, and Joe Caparoso brought it up on Badlands today, I think it really changes the identity of the offensive line. And it, it gives them some fight and some fangs and some teeth, which is something that they've, they've really lacked. And I go back to that, I believe it was a Houston game where Zach Wilson almost got his face ripped off, right? And nobody did anything. And I think back to like, what if that happened to Mark Sanchez when Nick, when Nick Mangold was, was centered? Do you think that guy would have walked away scot-free and not had, you know, not gotten his ass put on the ground? Like, no. So I think Ryan Jensen, getting a guy like that changes the identity of the offensive line, changes the attitude. And if you can pair him with getting another interior, like a, a right guard or even bringing back LDT, I just think it changes everything from that offensive line perspective. So if they were to go out and get him, I would be ecstatic that they did that. Even though he's 30, He's up there a little bit. Um, that's still, that's okay with me. I think combining, you know, uh, a veteran presence with the youth that they have on this whole line, I think is a good thing. So he changes the attitude, changes the identity, brings a little uh, ferociousness to that line that I think they desperately need. Yeah, I would be completely on board with it. The only thing, like you just mentioned, is his age. I mean, 30 is not super old, but, you know, it does add up. I mean, look at Andrew Whitworth. The guy played until he was almost 40 and he was insane. But like, I'm not saying Ryan Jones is that good, but he's definitely one of the top, you know, probably eight, nine centers in the NFL. I mean, Tom Brady loved playing with him. I mean, you got to want someone who Tom Brady likes playing with because he's the best of all time. For me, I'm actually going to stay with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I, I feel like I'm going to get some flack for this because it's not a position that's a premium position, but Leonard Fournette. And I mentioned this in our Slack chat because I think he would be the perfect complement to Michael Carter. I love Michael Carter. This is no indictment on his game. I just think that he's not an every down back. I think he would be great as a one-two punch with a guy like Fournette. Fournette is downhill runner. You know, he's going full, like, through the inside. He's not really a receiving game kind of uh, running back. That's where Michael Carter can thrive and also just be mixed in with him. But I just think he'll give us that bruiser. And I'll be a little biased here. I've loved Leonard Fournette since he was in college. I just thought he was one of the most talented running backs I'd ever seen. And obviously it didn't work out in Jacksonville because, you know, he just had differences with the organization. But you saw what he can do on the Bucs championship run. And he was even really good last year. There were rumors that, you know, Ronald Jones was actually going to be the starter this year. and He just really went right past him. So he would be a guy that I think would be interesting. I don't think you would have to pay a lot because running backs are not getting paid anymore. It's just the truth of the matter right now. I mean, like there's obviously guys like Zeke and McCaffrey, but a guy like Fournette is not going to get a huge contract. They gave him like five or six million or something like what Melvin Gordon got from the Denver Broncos. I would not be upset about that. I think he'd be a perfect fit for this offense and just give them more skill position players because you know he's a hell of a runner and, you know, he's in the prime of his career. Maybe get two, three, two or two or three good years out of him. So he'd be someone I'd be super excited about. No, I agree. I think it's a good one. I think he'd be, like you said, the perfect uh, thunder to Michael Carter's lightning. And I think, it, I, honestly, I think he's improved his pass catching ability over the course of the last few years. So I don't think he's, you know, an every down back, um, mm -hmm. you know, because of that. But at the same time, I don't think he's just a total non-factor in the passing game either. So I think any Jet fan realistically would be excited if they got uh, a Leonard Fournette as a, you know, kind of the bruising back as a compliment to Michael Carter and solidifies that running back room. And I know, you know, we'll probably talk about it later, but, you know, what's going to happen with Tevin Coleman too is a uh, it's it's very interesting it's uh, you know to see how that shakes out because I think he definitely um surpassed expectations last year from a lot of Jets fans probably from the coaches as well but doubling down on him being you know healthy again um another year older you know another year uh you know miles uh <clears throat> on that on that vehicle um it'll be interesting to see what they do with him too yeah I mean 
I am not opposed to bringing him back. My only issue with him is that he's just very injury prone. He obviously mm-hmm. missed a few games last year, and I know he also had COVID, but he had a lot more juice than I expected considering he'd been in the league for about, you know, six seasons at this point. But I'm fine with that, but I would prefer someone who I think could be a, a legit contributor. So that's why a guy like Fournette comes to mind. Um, another interesting topic that's been going on, and it's been really since the end, towards the end of the season, I feel like we talked about it after the Buccaneers game, but just the situation going on with Berrios, obviously he's a fan favorite. Like, you know, he showed that he could do a lot, especially when they had a lot of injuries at the receiving position, you know, late in the season, but there's obviously rumors that other teams are interested in, which I get, he's a valuable player because he can do, he can play offense, he played specials. And he seems like a really good locker room guy. He's, he's friends with the quarterback. Like that's important. But like, what do you think is going to happen with him? Do you think that he's going to get some crazy offer from a team like Buffalo or the Patriots? Buffalo actually could make sense if they get rid of Cole Beasley because he could go right into that role. Or do you think there's a chance that maybe the Jets could get him at a cut rate of like, you know, three years for like 18 million, like which is probably a little more than you want to be paying your fourth receiver on the depth chart, but he obviously has value elsewhere because he's their kick and punt returner. And obviously you can do plays for him, like just doing like end arounds and different things like that. So like, what do you think is going to end up happening with him? Yeah. I'm not optimistic about this one as much as I'd love for Berrios to return. I just think everything we've heard is that the jets kind of set their value on him. They've given him a fair offer or they're going to give him a fair offer. Mother's day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. And I don't think he's going to give the Jets a hometown discount. Um, I think, you know, from his perspective, he wants to cash in and rightfully so I get it. And he probably wants to go to some place that's going to guarantee him a starting role as a slot receiver, which I don't think the jets are going to do. So as good as they were, as good as LaFleur was last year, <clears throat> even when they were healthy, 
um, finding ways to use him. Uh, and then towards the end of the year, you know, when they were, the receiving core was pretty beat up. I mean, he was their top guy. Um, and obviously I think the one thing that can't be overstated is how well he and Zach Wilson worked together and how much Zach Wilson trusted him. So if I were to say what I want to happen, I would like for the jets to go maybe a, you know, a couple million over what they think they're, you know, the fair asking price is to ensure that they get him back because I think he is a valuable piece and I don't want to see him walk. What I do think ends up happening is they probably offer him something in the in the world of like you said you know three years 18 19 million that they think is a fair market price but another team you know in free agency because that's what happens swoops in and overpays for him and guarantees him a starting role in a in a slot position and utilizes him and you know on special teams like the jets were so i'm not optimistic he returns you know uh, i'll hope for the best and expect the worst but uh, we'll see how it shakes out man but what do you think yeah, I kind of feel the same way as you. I think that they're going to make, you know, a decent offer. And apparently there, there's rumors that there has there is an offer on the table, but obviously he wants to test the waters. Don't blame him at all. I think, like you said, he wants to cash in. I don't blame any player who wants to cash in because especially in football more than any other sport, nothing's guaranteed. There's no tomorrow. You could blow out your knee and be done playing and whatever money you made, that's it. It's not like you're going to get paid if you get hurt. So I, I totally understand his you know mindset. I, I do think that he may, like the fact that there were rumors he thinks he can get like $9 million a year, I do not think that's the case. I do not think a team, unless they really think that he could be a legitimate slot guy who's going to catch 80-plus balls a year, I don't think he's going to get that much. I do think that teams may offer more than what the Jets are going to offer because I do think Douglas is going to be a little frugal here considering he knows he needs someone on the outside who's a legit starting receiver to put on the other side of Corey and obviously move Elijah to the slot. But I do think that another team might overpay. It would literally be horrible if it was Buffalo or New England. I think Buffalo would actually hurt me more at this point because, to me, they're more of a threat to actually win something than New England as they were exposed in the playoffs. But it still would sting to see him on New England because you know every time Bill would want to stick it to us and make sure that he scores like three touchdowns against us. Yeah. It would just be like Wes Welker all over again, Julian Edelman. You can go down the list of the slot mm-hmm. guys that they've made into good players. But – he also was slighted by them because they drafted him and they cut him. Sure. So maybe he doesn't want to go back. Maybe he felt like they didn't give him a fair shot unless they just throw a crazy amount of money, which I don't think they will because they signed a lot of receivers and tight ends last year, but you never know. They're going to be, I think New England's going to be in play for a, a, one of the top guys in the, in the free agent market. So we'll see what happens with Brarios. But you can hope um, you know, that Joe Douglas kind of has a, a wink, wink deal with his agent to say, Hey, listen, you know, this is our fair offer right here, but if you get anything that you think is better than this, bring it back to me and see if we can match or do better uh, to keep them here. I mean, the jets have, we, we just said at the beginning of the show, the jets have that flexibility. They're in the best position from a capital standpoint. So to pay a little bit more for a guy that's a good locker room guy, that's a fan favorite, a coach favorite, that is someone that your quarterback trusts. I'm not opposed to that. And you have the money to mm-hmm. do it. I mean, you're not going to break the bank for him. I'm not talking about giving him, you know, four years for 50 million. This isn't, this isn't that, but if you got to pay a million or two over for a guy to keep him, you know, that's we'll, we'll call him homegrown talent. I would absolutely be in favor of doing that. And, and especially if it keeps him from going to an AFC's rival. Um, but you know, again, like everything else, we'll see. Uh, I'm not going to fault Barrios for taking the money if he gets it, um, but hopefully he stays in green and white. Yeah, the thing here is the Jets have cap space, so it's not like money is the issue at this point. Mm-hmm. I un- But I do understand at the same time they do have bigger needs than, you know, paying your fourth receiver because, like I said, you're assuming they're going to add a, another receiver, whether it's in the draft or a bigger free agent. 
But yeah, I, I think they just got to be careful here. They don't want to overpay. And I don't think that they will. I think yeah. interior offensive line, like we talked about before, is a bigger need. I think corner safety, safety specifically, I think Marcus Williams, I I think that might be the biggest signing that they make. I think that they're going to give him a nice contract, which might rub Jeff friends the wrong way because, you know, everything that's gone on with Jamal Adams with all that. But I don't think they're going to pay him as much as Jamal, but he's going to get a nice payday, like probably like, 12 to 13 annually for maybe like three to four years, but I'm fine with that. The safeties were terrible. That was literally what was ruining this defense on top of the fact they couldn't stop the run. Yeah. But um, we're going to shift to their internal free agents, not Barrios because we already talked about him. So we're going to play a game of will he stay or he gone? So I'm going to give it to you first and you go with what you think about this guy. And then I'll say my opinion. So the first one I think is too easy, but I figure we got to get him out of the way. We got Marcus May. Gone. Is he... <laughs> no no explanation <laughs> no i mean listen i just don't think i i you know good player uh good guy but um legal issues looming turning 29 i want to say if he's not 29 already looking for a big yeah. payday um injury history i think that was overstated a little bit as he came into to this past year but then you know achilles i just i think it's time uh, for him to get a fresh start and i don't think the jets are going to pay him so i think marcus may is gone yeah, I, I do agree, but I actually see, and this is a weird thought that I had, that there could be a chance because of his pending legal situation that teams are like holding off and he probably stays unsigned until the summer. And maybe the Jets bring him back on a one-year deal. I mean, it's possible. I mean, mm-hmm. I personally have liked him. I know that everyone was saying we're not giving him $14 million a year, which I, I agree with, but like yeah. if we're able to get him at a cut rate and he's unsigned, which that sometimes does happen, guys, you're like, don't expect, remember like, a guy like Clowney took a long time to sign, which you're like, why is that? But like, he just, he was, he's Clowney. He just has his stuff. So you never know, but I, I do think he's probably gone. We're going to move to someone that I think is probably 50, 50 at this point, but we're going to go to LDT stay or he gone. I think he's back. I think he comes back. I think, um, Regardless of what the Jets do at right guard and free agency, I think he'll still come back because he'll have a chance to start. And coming from Kansas City, that's why he wanted to come to the Jets. He probably saw GVR and said, you know what, I could win that job with my eyes closed. So he did that. <laughs> um, but I do think that I, I do think that he'll be back. I think he'll uh, I think he wants to be here. I think he liked his time here. I think he likes playing for Salah. And I think he'll see that he'll have, at least have a chance uh, to compete and or be a depth piece. So I think he's back uh, in green and white in 22. I agree. I think that he's definitely somebody that they really like. And I mean, honestly, I heard uh, him on uh, New York, New York, uh, John DeShremsey's podcast on the ringer. He did an interview with him. I think it was about a week or two ago. And it was really good. He seems like a really good guy and he really likes playing in New York and he said he wants to come back. So I do think that he probably is back maybe on a one, maybe two year option deal. And I think it's perfect because let's just say in an instance that, you know, they, they roll with Makai and they don't take an offensive lineman at four. He's, I trust him. The run offense got much better as soon as he started playing. And even a guy like McGovern, who, you know, Jeff fans have had their beef with because throwing the quarterback on the bus, an inconsistent play. He played a lot better when he was playing alongside LDT versus GBR. So I agree with you. I do think he'll be back. Sticking with the offensive line, we got Morgan Moses. What do you think? Staying or he going? I think he's gone. Um, I would love to see him back because I would love, obviously, to keep that flexibility uh, at the tackle position to have Fant, him and Makai all in the mix. Um, I just don't think he's going to I don't think he's going to come back um, without a guaranteed starting role. And I don't think that's something that the Jets can offer him at this point. 
Um, you know, everyone talking about how the, the staff is down on Makai. I don't know if they're down on him. I just think they want to see it. Um, but I, it's, they're going to be very hard pressed to take the starting left tackle spot away from Fant. And if Makai does come back, you, you can't guarantee Makai or Morgan Moses a guaranteed start, uh, uh, starting right tackle spot. And I think he's going to want that. He was a solid player, man. I'm happy the Jets signed him, obviously, because if they didn't, they would have been in the world of hurt even more than they were. Um, but I think he's going to want that guaranteed starting role. I don't think the Jets can offer that. So I think he's gone because of that reason. So I've been back and forth on this. I actually think he's going to stay. And the reason I say that is I think that he's, you know, he's over 30 years old. So you're not necessarily going to be guaranteed a starting spot. Teams are trying to get younger at the tackle position, especially there's a lot of tackles in the draft. And I think that, you know, he likes, I think he likes playing for the Jets. I think he likes playing for Salah. seems like a good locker room guy. I know he was beloved in Washington. I think they find a way to keep him in as a depth piece and you know he can contribute. But, and if Makai gets hurt, you know, you, you have him on the right side and then you have Fanth on the left side. I think he's back. I do. I think at like a one-year deal, probably a little bit over the minimum. I think it's worth it. I think investing in your offensive line is so key because we saw when we were down to Connor McDermott and uh, what's his face, um, Dan Feeney playing. It was not a pretty sight to see. And obviously GBR is whatever he was. The next two guys I had, I think we're both going to say are gone, which is Gerard Davis and Crowder. So I don't really think it's worth going into. Yep. But I'm going to go with, what do you think about Croft? We talked about him a little bit earlier. Do you think he stays or do you think he's gone? I think he stays. and I, But I think if he's anything more than a tight end three, it's a, it's a mistake by Joe Douglas and the staff. Um, but I think he'll stay. Uh, I don't know. I mean, where else would he go? I guess is my question. Um, I think he's approaching 30, uh, and has been injury riddled his entire career. Um, but I think he's, you know, when he plays, he's fine. Uh, he's an okay, you know, serviceable guy, but he, to rely on him as anything more than, uh, than a tight end three, I think would be a, a very big mistake, but I think overall he stays and he's in that tight end room. Yeah. Another guy going back and forth. I actually think he's gone. I, I could see an instance where he does stay, like you said, as a depth piece. I think most likely, and this has just been the case with rookie tight ends, like even, even if they take somebody in the second or third round, like a guy like, you know, Trey McFight or Ruckert, typically the rookie tight ends don't make a huge impact. I know Kyle Pitts obviously did last year, but he was like a genera generational prospect. Mm -hmm. I could see him being the tight end too, and then obviously paving way maybe later in the season for a rookie to be tight end, uh, the rookie to be tight end too. But I, I think he's gone. I think that they rather draft two tight ends and maybe sign somebody else who's, you know, more proven, at least as a pass catcher. But I'm going to say that he's gone. We got two more. We got uh, we got Keelan and Joyner. Let's do these these quick so we can talk a little bit about the draft. So <laughs> what do you think about Keelan? Gun to your head? Is he back he, or is he gone? He's gone. Because he's gone? Yes, I agree with he's you. He's done. I think he I, was I, – I think um, I had high hopes for him. And he played well early in the season and really faded down the stretch. And I think you could find that production elsewhere. So I think Keelan Cole's gone. Yeah, I agree with you. He also had one of the best what if catches I've ever seen in, mm. in the Bengal game. And thankfully they scored the next play, but man, that was a crazy catch. Thank you, Keelan, for those sticky hands. I'll never forget that. <laughs> and then last but not least, we got LaMarcus Joyner, who it sucks because we didn't see a lot of him, but I actually liked what I did see from him. He's yeah. staying or is he gone? Uh, I think he'll stay. I, I think uh, regardless of what they do in free agency and or the draft, I think LaMarcus Joyner is a, a veteran guy that they'd like to see him on the field um, and see what he can do. So I think he can be reliable uh, if he plays, um, which we should see him back in a Jets uniform. I think that he's gone because I think, like I said, they're going to they're going to break the bank for a guy like um, Marcus Williams. And I do think they're going to draft someone maybe in the third or fourth round. 
Um, but I do see a scenario where he comes back, but I think he's gone. I think they're just going to sign two new safeties because I don't think that they want to trust on coming off his injury because I think he ruptured yeah. his Achilles, which obviously is a slow recovery period for anybody. So I think that's we your latest. We, we have two that we missed. We could tackle real quick. Foley and Tevin Coleman. What do you think? Okay. Foley, absolutely gone because he wants to get paid. They're not paying a run stuffer when it's not a position of need. Agreed. Coleman, it's hard. I think he's gone. I, I think they're going to get someone who's more productive and they're going to draft somebody. I, I I'm fine with, I'm fine with Coleman coming back Foley. I, don't, um, I liked Foley because he was a captain. He was a good locker room guy. And he had that great thing about Carl Lawson after he got hurt, which so like, I'm not like opposed, but I just don't want to pay a guy who plays, you know, who plays a run stuffing position, crazy amounts of money, especially when the jets were the worst run defense in the league. So it's like, why are we paying you to be a run stuffer when you can't stop? the? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but yes, I, think- I, I, I left him off because I kind of also thought we both would say he's gotcha. I I agree with you on Foley. And I think they're going to expect Jonathan Marshall to kind of step into that role. Losing Foley as a locker room guy, as a leader, I think is uh, that that sucks, Uh, but you're not going to pay, you know, eight, nine, $10 million to an interior defensive lineman that only stuffs the run. And Tevin Coleman, I agree with you. I think, you know, depending on how the free agent market shakes out, I think he's a, a guy that, that, could come back. Maybe he's left unsigned, you know, later on and, and the jets weren't able to get their hands on, uh, on someone and they bring him back as a veteran president, someone that knows the system. You know, I think his leadership is another thing that can be valued. I know Michael Carter has talked about that too. The guy's been to two Super Bowls, um, you know, both in the Shanahan offense, which, you know, nothing to scoff at, but ultimately I think they go a different route. They, if, if they bring a guy like Fournette and I think that's great, or they look for someone on, on day three, day three of the draft, that can kind of be that bruiser, um, you know, that they're really looking for to compliment MC. Yeah, this was fun. I like this segment. We never done something like this. It's different because we didn't have our show at um, this time last year. I know we were first talking about doing it at this point. Um, I do want to wrap it with a little bit of draft talk because the combine just happened. And obviously a lot of rumors, especially because of the trades that have been going on with, you know, Russell Wilson moving and obviously um, Carson Wentz getting traded today. So there's been a lot of conversation about the Jets because they do own two top 10 picks. So there's a lot of things that they could end up doing. Obviously, you know, how Jacksonville approaches this is going to impact what the Jets do because everyone kept saying they were going to take a guy like Evan Neal or a guy like Icky from NC State, but then they just franchise tag Cam Robinson, which means they're probably set on both sides because they also have, um, I think his name is Jamar Taylor. I, I might be wrong, or Jawan Taylor. Mm-hmm. But basically, they have their bookend tackles set for at least next year. So you'd think they're not going to take a guy number one overall. So that leaves the question, are they going to take a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, or maybe KT, but it seems like Aiden's probably the number one edge guy on most teams' boards. But obviously if those two guys are gone, and then you don't know necessarily what um, Detroit's going to do because they, they may take a safety. I don't know. I just want to say in terms of the Kyle Howland's crowd, I, I don't think he is someone the Jets would take with the fourth pick. I could talk myself into it at 10, but still be pretty pissed about it because there are bigger areas of need. But like, I think the Jets need to take an offensive lineman unless they get like crazy offensive lineman in free agency, take an offensive lineman or an edge player with the fourth pick. If they took sauce, I can live with it because I think that guy is going to be awesome. And I'm a big fan of his. I used to be more in the Stingley wagon, but obviously I've watched a little more of sauce and obviously injury history scares me. And we, you know, we'd all know about D Milner. But at 10, they got to be taking a receiver, and I would love if they got sauce, but I don't think he'll be there. What are your thoughts? I feel like you feel the same way about Hamilton. I don't think he's a bad player. It's just you have so many holes in your team. You cannot spend a 
pick that high on a safety. I'm sorry. I don't care if he is a unicorn. He's not a generational player. He's just a hybrid player because of his size and athletic ability. But you can't spend that pick on that player. What do you think? He's not Ed Reed or Sean Taylor. And, and the, the I wouldn't – I get it. I get that he could be generational or unicorn, whatever. I think that that term we've always talked about in the Slack, too. It gets thrown around way too often. But bottom line for me is no matter what, you're going to have your choice at four of KT, Aquanu, or Evan Neal, and Kyle Hamilton. And if we take Kyle Hamilton over any one of those th- other three, I'm going to be upset about it. So that's what, that's just bottom line. I'd rather see, regardless of what happens in free agency, if KT falls to them, you take them. If Icky falls to them, you take him. If Neil is there because the other two went first, you take Neil. Um, that's just my philosophy. And I think you, you can't take a safety that high. And I wouldn't want them to take uh, a Kyle Hamilton over any one of those three. I'm also in agreement with you on sauce. Um, if, if for some reason it goes KT or I'm sorry, you know, Hutchinson, uh, Neil, Icky, and uh, whatever, and the Jets end up taking sauce over KT or whatever, I- I'll be fine with that. But don't take Hamilton over any of those other guys. And then at 10, if Hamilton falls, depending on what the Jets do at receiver, I'll be okay, I guess. I wouldn't be, I still wouldn't be thrilled. I'm all in on Garrett Wilson at 10. Um, Same. I, he's I, my guy. I, he's my guy too. And, and call me scarred from you know the Denzel Mims or even just taking these swings even like the Makai Becton I mean that was a a risky pick and I get it you know high upside but this guy has a high upside but he's also got the highest floor and I'm not Connor Rogers or Mel Kuyper or Todd McShay but everything I hear is this guy is the most NFL ready he he gains separation like crazy um you know route runner uh one of the best route runners in the draft if not the best and the fact that he came in around a 437 or 438 Give me Garrett Wilson all day. I'd rather have a high floor guarantee someone that's a safe bet at receiver. That's a reliable weapon for Zach Wilson than anything else. So I think, you know, Traylon Burks scares me a bit. Same with Drake London, but uh, Garrett Wilson, I'm not, I'm not really scared at all. So I would love to see the jets. If they come away with KT and Garrett Wilson at four and 10, I'm happy. Yeah, I agree. That's like the ideal scenario for me as well, or Hutch if somehow he fell, which I don't think he will. Yeah. Or if, if they took, if they took KT and Sauce, I'm, I'm pretty pumped, but I don't think it's going to happen. I honestly could see us. Some- yeah, you're, you're right, though, because I think that the, the, the uh, receivers in this draft are deep enough to where you, you could bank on the Jets taking a swing again and at 35 or 38 on receiver or even maybe packaging to move back up into the first round. So take a guy like Olave or Dotson or something like that, which I'd be fine with as well. As long as they go receiver in the top four with their, one of their top four picks, I'll be good with that. Yeah, I agree. And, and like, for some reason, if they don't, as taking high ends, you can actually catch. We're not just yeah. blocking specialists. That's another thing. But I think that a receiver will be taken on day one or day two for sure. Like, I, I would be surprised unless they just got a ton of receivers and free agency or made a big trade or something like that. But I do think they will use a day one or a day two pick on a receiver. I, I think I'm pretty confident yeah. in that. And I mean, there's um, a lot, of, like you said before, there's a lot of doubt too about Sauce and if he's even going to make it to 10 after his combine performance. Yeah. Um, so I mean, we'll, we'll see, man. It's it, this, this whole thing. This is the best part of the Jets season, man. I love it. I'm, I'm so excited <laughs> to we, see how all this stuff ends up playing out. <laughs> Undefeated offseason champions. Everybody <laughs> we never lose. Says. We never, we never, we never lose, but this is one you should be excited about because there's expectations. Now this team needs to compete and this team needs to be, you know, in contention for a wild card spot. It's never, it's never been easier to make the playoffs in the NFL. I know the AFC just got much better very quickly, but Anything's possible. Quarterback, a quarterback can get hurt, and then it opens everything up. Like 
I, I don't mean to like say there's anything about like a guy like Josh Allen, but what if he got hurt? Then the mm-hmm. AFC East is wide open. I mean, Mac Jones, like I do think that he's going to end up being more like a Baker Mayfield than what he was as a rookie. I think he was pro ready and his ability to read defenses helped him as a rookie, but I just don't think he has the arm talent that some of these other young quarterbacks have. So sure. I'm not like saying that New England's going to be so great. And he also just lost Josh McDaniels. And I saw a report that Bill might be calling the offensive plays so you never know how that could affect a young quarterback. But, uh, Steven, it's been so good to do this again. I miss it. I know it's been a down period, and we do appreciate everyone who always tunes in and listens. We'll be doing another episode next week to recap the first day of free agency. We'll probably be doing one the following week as well to talk about all free agency. And then we'll be taking another break until the draft, and we're super excited for all of this. Steven, how are you feeling after doing another one? I love it, man. I'm happy to be back. It's super fun. Uh, this time of year is just the best. Um, I'm checking my my uh, Twitter feed like crazy, man. I'm waiting for Schefter to drop anything uh, at this at the, you know this point in time. It's um it's just great. It's good to be back and uh, really Jets off season off season is just the best and um, we love it. I can't wait to see what this team does. Um, I think that the beauty of it is that it, we've talked about it for so long, but this truly is like the biggest off season that we've seen in some time. This this regime, everything is lining up. Joe, Sala, Zach all on the same timeline. This is as important as we've seen in a while. Um, so this truly is the biggest off season. And I just, I can't wait to see what happens. And I think we're going to be very, um, it's going to be very telling how day one, day two of, uh, of next week when free agency opens up goes. Yeah. I mean, we're either going to be really happy or we're going to be really sad, but I, I just have all this intuition just from things you read and things you hear, things that, you know, TOJ people who know people inside the building have told us there's things are going to happen. This is not going to be, you know, an off season where we're just like waiting. It's like the meme of like, do something already. They're going yeah. to be doing things. I think trades are going to happen. We're just going to get really excited. You're like, wow, we got yeah. someone that we didn't know was available. It's going to uh, be great. But uh, yeah, like hopefully next fun. week when we go live at eight, we're not sitting here talking about four hours of just nothing, <laughs> uh, no activity, um, but we'll save it. It'll be fun no matter what. Like if there's a scenario where Alan Robinson signs the minute this thing opens, oh my God, we are all going to be so hyped. Yes. I think uh, you know our, our own Joe Caparoso has said if we can uh, if we can sign a Rob and have him be the 2015 Brandon Marshall, I mean every Jet fan would without a doubt sign up for that. That'd be awesome. Him and Shirk, baby, those are the two guys Absolutely. we've been dreaming about for years. <laughs> uh, but that, that, like I said before, thanks everybody for tuning in, listening, watching. We appreciate all the support. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on uh, youtube.com slash turn the Jets TV. Don't, for, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast feed where you get our show. You get draft season, which is super important right now. We got, you got Dylan, you got me, you got James, you got Joe talking about all their favorite prospects, getting you ready for the draft. Those guys, they know so much about the draft. I know people miss Dalvin, but he's, he's tweeting away his thoughts on the draft. So you'll get that as well. You'll also get Will's show. Will has been doing an unbelievable job for us. He's at the Combine. He's at the Senior Bowl, man. Follow him on Twitter. Make sure you listen to his show. He gets, he's been getting great guests, and I know there's a lot of stuff that's coming along. And last but not least, make sure you join Patreon for Badlands. Best content you're going to ever get as a Jets fan. It's premium, but, you know, you're paying for something that's really good. I know Joe and Connor have plenty in store for everybody. You'll be getting Connor's draft guide in a little bit. And we just, like I said, best premium Jets content on the Internet. See you guys next week, and let's